What's up, nerds? Drew Dixon here, back with you for another Bible Thump, and we're in the Book of Romans, and this is the 101st episode of this program. Um, so if you've been around for any of that amount of time, um, if you've been around for all 101, if you've listened to, it's probably like one person, it's probably not even one person, but it would be amazing. I would be like so tickled if there is even one person out there that has faithfully listened to all 101 of these here thumps, uh, that would make my day. And if that's you, let me know. And I'll seriously like send you a free copy of my book. Um, I don't really talk about that on here though. I guess I should. It's a platform that on which I can talk about things, I guess. I have a book about video games that is very much um, inspired by my work with Love Thy Nerd, and it's called Know Thy Gamer, A Parent's Guide to Video Games. So if you're a parent and your kids play video games and that, like, bothers you on some level or, like, it's just, you know, a source of of of, of conflict or whatever, or if it's just something you want to know more about, it's a very positive, affirming book for parents, I think, and it's designed to help um, help you love your kids better, which is, a, if you're a parent, that's certainly something you want to do. And it talks about video games, and takes video games seriously, and doesn't tell you um, that you should get rid of all your video games. So <laughs> it's very nerd-affirming, too. So anyway, might help you. If you've listened to all 100, like seriously, you don't lie, okay? I want you to be honest before God <laughs> and me, and tell me if you've listened to all 101 episodes, and if that's you, I, I would seriously, I've got extra copies of this book, I'll send you one. So reach out to me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, underscore Drew Dixon, or um, Drew at Um All right. That's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm sorry. I wasted a lot of time going over that. Uh, what we're here to talk about is Romans chapter 2 in the second half of this book. Um, this book, second half of the chapter. Yeah. What I want to do is kind of dispel what I think are some mis- some some misinclinations, some like, um, some misinformation out there about the book of Romans. Um, and what I think a lot of people think when it comes to Romans is that this wonderful treatise on Paul's theology, that like, this is a, almost like a systematic theology textbook where Paul's going to outline everything he believes about the gospel, things he believes about like heavy theological topics like predestination, uh, what he believes about, um, heaven and hell and salvation and uh, justification, right? Um, and all those things are things Paul talks about in this book, but they're all only secondary to encouragement he wants to give to a local, uh, a group of local churches. The church, the church at Rome, right? Which is probably more than one church, but he's writing to followers of Jesus, encouraging them to live out their faith in Jesus. The goal of this book is to be encouraging. The goal is to give us a picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus in first century Rome, but then for us to take this idea of what it looks like to follow Jesus in first century Rome and then think about, okay, how does that matter to me today? And so this is a really practical chapter. I think a lot of times we make these big, heavy theological claims out of Romans chapter 2. But what Paul's trying to say in Romans chapter 2 is really simple. He's like, don't be a hypocrite. Don't pretend to be someone you're not. He's saying if you really, 
trust Jesus, if you really are, are a follower of Jesus, let the love of Jesus manifest in your life. Like embody it, live it out. Um, let your love of Jesus come to bear on your own world and life and then and then express it. Express the love of Jesus in relationship with other people in the real world. That's what the book of Romans is about. And to get to that point, to make points about that, Paul does dive into a lot of heavy theological ideas. And guess what? Um, I hope you're not disappointed, but I'm not going to do that too much, or maybe not at all, not at all really today. Uh, I'm going to sort of skip over those parts of this chapter <laughs> because I can. Um, no, I'm going to skip over those parts of this chapter because I only have a few minutes. These are short. I don't have time to like, if you know a big, a big, a big heady word, I'm not going to exegete this passage. I'm not going to break down every word and verse, but what I am going to do is kind of just give you some encouragement out of this passage. So this is, don't hold me to like, getting everything right about Romans chapter 2. What I'm here to do is to encourage you, and I think that's ultimately what Paul wants to do. That's my point. I think he ultimately wants to encourage us. All right, so Romans 2, excuse me, Romans 2, uh, 2, Romans 2, starting in verse 17. Paul writes, now if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are superior, being instructed from the law, and if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light to those in darkness, an instructor of the ignorant, a teacher of the immature, having the embodiment of knowledge and truth in the law. Do you see what he's doing? He's saying if you claim to have all this truth and know all these things about God and have all these uh, advantages, he said, you then, verse 21, who teach another, don't you teach yourself? You who preach, you must not steal, do you steal? You who say you must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who detest idols, do you rob their temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? For it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Now, stop there for a moment, then I'll read the rest. A lot of people take this passage to be Paul saying to the world, like, hey, you've all broken the law, you're all condemned, you've all fallen short, um... Jews and Gentiles alike, like chapter 1, Gentiles, chapter 2, Jews, um, everybody's under the condemnation, just condemnation of God because they failed to live up to the law. Um, but that's not exactly what he's saying. I mean, that's something you could take out of this passage. You could interpret that from this passage that way. But what Paul's primarily concerned about here is hypocrisy, isn't he? He's saying there's a problem of hypocrisy in the human race. There's a problem of hypocrisy in us that, like, he, he's calling people out saying, like, if you're claiming to be close to God, but then you're breaking his law, you're, like, um, doing things that harm your neighbor, right? You're saying you shouldn't commit adultery, but you commit adultery. You're saying you shouldn't steal, but you do, and you shouldn't, uh, you know, worship other things, but you do. You dishonor God by and break the law. He's saying there's a testimony going, testimony going out into the world of, that's what marks your life. And that testimony that's going out into the world is one of hypocrisy. You may have heard like preachers or teachers or Bible teachers say something like, you know, you're all of Jesus some people will see in the world um, because they won't read the Bible or they won't like hear a sermon or whatever. So you, your life is all of Jesus some people will see. Um, I think that idea sort of jives with what Paul's saying here. He's saying... Um, a lot of us are hypocrites, and that's a problem, and it's sad, and it shouldn't be that way. All right, that's not a happy thought to, to land on, so I'm going to read the rest of this passage, then I'll come back and give you some hope. Sound good? I'm not going to leave you in that state of feeling like a hypocrite and like you failed, um, I promise. All right, let's read the rest. 
Romans 2, verse 25, circumcision benefits you if you observe the law, but if you are a lawbreaker, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So if I'm circumcised, I'm sorry, sorry, verse 26, so if an uncircumcised man keeps the law's requirements, will not his circumcision be counted as circumcision? If a man who is physically circumcised but who keeps the law will judge you, who who are a lawbreaker in spite of having the letter of the law and circumcision. For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, and circumcision is not something visible in the flesh. On the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart, by the Spirit, not the letter. That person's praise is not from people, but from God. All right, so um, without getting too much into the weeds of circumcision, let me just say this about it. It was an outward sign, a marker that you belong to God's covenant people. That was the idea, is that this was this physical sign that demonstrated that you've been set apart in the world for God's purposes, that you are part of his people. Make sense? Um, so Paul's saying, um, guess what? It doesn't benefit you if you're not living out the law. Now, a lot of times Christians can have this view of the law, like it's this thing that's so oppressive and impossible to keep, and so it's bad. It is impossible to keep, that's true, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Um, now, there are some weird things about the law in the Old Testament that, you know, wearing cloth of different fabrics, um, you know, laws about what you can and can't eat. Um, and the New Testament addresses some of that and corrects some of that and says that's not abiding on us anymore. I think a lot of that is tied to just God setting apart his people. He's saying to live, he, he calls people to live peculiar different lives because we're to be a peculiar different people that stand out from the world, but not just for the weird stuff that we do, but for our love. And that's what the law is ultimately about. Like there's many places in the New Testament that sum up the law of God in this and love God and love your neighbor. Like love your neighbor as itself. This is, in, you know, and this is the, is the, is the whole of the law. Um, and so, Ultimately, the law is designed for our good. It's to keep us living in harmony with God and each other. So think of the Ten Commandments, like do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal. These are commands that are designed to help us live in harmony with each other. And more than just not doing harm to each other, um, I think implied in those commands is this, this command to respect, to hold each other in honor because we are image bearers of God, because we belong to him. We're his people. He made us for his possession and to reflect his glory. And so that's why you don't murder and steal and so forth, because we have value and we see that value in others. And part of what it means to be a human is to hold in, in esteem the value of other human beings. Okay, all that said, um, Paul's saying, like, guess what? These things that you think distinguish you from the world and give you special honor before God, they don't matter at all if you're a hypocrite, if you don't live up to the law. So here's what he says now. On the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is of the heart. He's saying, if you want to be a part of the people of God, if you want to be um, a part of, <laughs> of my club or whatever, um, you'll live it out, right? It will be present. The love of God will be present in your heart and then expressed out of your heart and out into the world. You see, um, keeping the law doesn't make us right with God. Expressing the law from a heart transformed by Jesus does. Does that make sense? That's Paul's point. And so, um, yeah, Paul is saying, look, you are a hypocrite, but guess what? It's possible to make a break with hypocrisy, to say goodbye to hypocrisy. And I'm not saying forever. There's always going to be times this side of eternity before Jesus comes back when you'll find yourself being a hypocrite. But that doesn't have to define you anymore. 
by the grace of God and the power of Jesus, you can begin to live. You can take steps to begin to live a truly authentic life, a life that measures up to your calling. This isn't to say that you'll be perfect, you're going to mess up. This isn't to say that you should think of yourself as better than other people. That is so far from the gospel, right? But what it is to say is that there is hope for you to live a consistent, a more consistent life. Wouldn't we all like to be a little bit more consistent? Wouldn't we all like to live up a little bit more to our own personal ideals? Like, like if you're a parent, you want to be, like deep down, I think, hopefully, um, unless you're weird, <laughs> unless you're like... Um, anyway, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Uh, here, I, I know this to be true. If you're a parent, deep down, you want to be a good parent. You want to love your children well. Wouldn't it be great if you felt like you could more consistently live up to that ideal? If you're um, working in a job that you enjoy, don't you want to be a good worker? Don't you want to do well in that career? Don't you want to do work that brings good into the world? Um, but you fail. Sometimes you're a hypocrite in that calling. Wouldn't it be nice if you could live more consistently in line with your ideals? Um, if you're a spouse, wouldn't you like to be a better spouse? Wouldn't you like to have a more harmonious relationship with your husband or wife? Um, wouldn't you like to be a better son or daughter? Uh, wouldn't you like to be... Um, a better human, a human that lives more consistently in line with his or her or their ideals. Yeah, you would, and I would too. And Paul's saying that Jesus helps us do that. Isn't that beautiful? Just stop for just a second and let that sink in. God wants to help you be a more consistent human being. He wants to help you live more in line with your ideals. And think about what our reality would be like if more of us did that. If more of us were able to even just take a few steps towards living in more, more consistently with our ideals of love and kindness and compassion and goodness, like... How might that transform your world? What if that was just true even in your little like sphere, your family or your workplace? Like how would that transform things? Even just a few steps would be significant and you'd notice the difference. Paul says that's possible because of Jesus. Paul wants us to trust Jesus more, to trust him for that work of transformation, to trust him to help us be more consistent, to trust him to help us be a little less hypocritical. So what step will you take this week to trust God, to trust Jesus, to help you be more consistent, more consistently in line with who God wants you to be? Think about that. Pray about it. And take a step. Thanks for your time. We'll see you next week.